Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Great show lined up for you today. There is a precious institution in America that is severely at risk. It could potentially even go away. What I'm talking about is family-owned and operated farms and ranches. I don't know how much you've paid attention over the past year, but especially in 2020 during the lockdowns, uh, there was a tremendous amount of... um, craziness going on especially in the cattle markets and i started to follow a group of uh, ranchers uh, discussing what was going on because it was affecting the the beef prices at the store that i purchased meat for for my family and i wonder how connected you are to your food do you understand the the food supply chain uh, because there is uh, a lot of crazy stuff that goes on to these hard-working americans that are trying to make a living and keep up this uh, wonderful institution of American history, fam- uh, family-owned and operated uh, cattle ranches and, and farms and such. So to have that conversation, I've invited Jim Mundorf on from LonesomeLands.com to have a conversation about that. I think it will be uh, enlightening to some degree to you. But also on the program is, uh, can we say, Twitter-famous Deacon Nick Donnelly. He wrote a book called A Catholic Survival Guide for the Times of Emergency, published by TAN. And we're going to have a conversation around that today as well. All of that is coming up in this hour. So in the light of uh, potential schism in Germany, of not being able to go to Holy Mass in Ireland, or even the, the crazy draconian lockdowns in Canada, how do Catholics survive these times? Deacon Nick Donnelly is going to be our guest in the What's Concerning Us uh, to have that conversation. So a lot going on, tremendous amounts of stuff in the news, including an escalation between uh, Gaza, Hamas, and Israel, of course. We're seeing more rockets, more attacks, and even loss of life. It's uh, it's getting pretty serious over there. So lots to conversate to about today in uh, Catholic Drive Time at any rate. Good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning, Joe. You know, I just turned in my research paper on St. Catherine of Siena yesterday, and it's incredible because the times that she was living in were actually worse than the times we're living in now. And so she's such an inspiration. I encourage all of our listeners to look into Catherine of Siena because she fought until the end and she held on to hope and she was living in more difficult times than now. Her plague was certainly much worse than ours. All right. Well, there's always hope. Praise be to God for that. I think that's ultimately what Deacon Nick's book is really about, too. It's his book when reading the description. I've not read it myself, but it seems very hopeful. So I think the conversation ought to be very good today. Speaking of hopeful, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I am very concerned about the beef story. I can't wait to hear about it because, um, you know, I like beef. I, like- I, I don't know. I don't know if it's if that's something that is a is a secret, but I like beef. It's I like very beef. good. It's very good stuff. So have you, I mean, I I would say I'd venture to guess that most people living in cities and suburbia, they don't think very much about how the food gets to them. 
like the food chain process. They show up to the store, they buy their their beef, and that's that. I think most people hadn't thought about gas, for instance. You know, they just put it in their car and they go about their business until, of course, someone from a foreign country hacks our pipeline, shuts it off. And then all of a sudden there's gas shortages all over the country. It's things like that I think we have to pay attention to. And I, I certainly believe that we haven't paid attention to what's going on at cattle ranches around the United States. And I think it'll be eye-opening for most people to discover how 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 crazy things are at the moment yeah, for family-owned and operated cattle ranches and, and farms. So it ought to be a good conversation. But uh, let's pray for whatever's on your heart, your mind, whatever your intentions are. Of course, I'm praying uh, for our team here, for the precious and holy blood of Jesus to cover and protect us from all those that would uh, have uh, nefarious intentions towards us today, and and for peace in our country and the salvation of all souls, and of course, your intentions. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my, my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. A bill threatens to ban University of California health systems from partnering with Catholic institutions, prompting concern that ideological motives on abortion and LGBT issues will damage longtime partnerships and limit access to medical care. An organization of Catholic hospitals has defended its efforts to adhere to Catholic ethics, but also defend the partnership on the ground that they or their network hospitals provide some procedures related to gender transitioning and have won recognition from ma major LGBT groups. Edward Dolecci, executive director of the California Catholic Conference, said, If you're working at one of our facilities, we follow Catholic bishops' ethical and religious directives. We do not allow abortions, elective sterilizations, transgender surgeries, etc. in those healthcare facilities. Another proposed California bill, SB 642, purports to defend medical staff's clinical judgment from hospital administration's non-clinical standards, including ethical standards that hinder a doctor from providing a particular medical treatment. Such treatment could include legal abortion and legal assisted suicide. The legislation would significantly impact the ability for Catholic hospitals to require staff to follow Catholic ethical directives. The Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem is calling for justice and peace amid an escalation of violence in the city. In a statement it said, Our church has been clear that peace requires justice. Insofar as the rights of everyone, Israelis and Palestinians, are not upheld and respected, there will be no justice and therefore no peace in the city. It is our duty not to ignore injustice nor any aggression against human dignity, regardless of who is committing them. Violence broke out on May 7th, the last Friday of Ramadan, between Israeli police and thousands of Palestinians gathered at the complex. More than 150 Palestinians and six Israeli police officers were injured. That Latin Patriarchate said that the violence used against the worshippers undermines their safety and their rights to have access to the holy places and to worship freely. Since the Patriarchate issued the statement, the situation has escalated further. Hamas, the Islamic militant group that rules Gaza, fired rockets at Jerusalem on May 10th, and the attack was followed by Israeli military airstrikes that Palestinian authorities say killed 20 people. 
Gianluigi Torzi, the Italian businessman who brokered the final part of the Secretary of State's purchase of a London investment property, has been arrested in the United Kingdom. The arrest, which took place on May 11th in London, was requested by an Italian judge in Rome in April. Torzi, who has denied wrongdoing, is being investigated by Italian authorities for suspected fraudulent billing, money laundering, and other financial crimes in collaboration with three of his associates. He's also under investigation by the Vatican for his role in facilitating the Secretariat of State's purchase of a London property. The Vatican alleges that in doing so, Torzi was part of a conspiracy to defraud the Secretariat of millions of euros. Based on the investigation, Vatican prosecutors had requested the seizure of Torzi's UK-based UK bank accounts earlier this year. And in March, a British judge reversed the action, stating that Vatican prosecutors withheld and misrepresented information in their request to the UK court. Torzi was also arrested by the Vatican last summer and held in custody for a little more than a week on charges of two counts of embezzlement, two counts of fraud, extortion, and money laundering. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things, Blessed Jane of Portugal. Pray for us. Blessed Jane was born on the 16th of February, 1452 in Lisbon in Portugal. Joanna, a child of many prayers, was born heiress to the throne of her father, King Alphonsus V. At a time when Spain and Portugal had divided the colonial wealth of the earth between them. Her sickly brother Juan was born three years later, and soon after their mother, Queen Elizabeth of Coimbra, died. Joanna was left to the care of a wise and pious nurse who cultivated the child's natural piety. By age five, the little princess had exceeded her teacher in penitential practices. She fasted and prayed, rose at night to take the discipline, and wore a hair shirt under her glittering court apparel. She was regent of Portugal when her father and brother went to war against the Moors. And when they defeated the Moors in 1471, her father, in the first flush of victory, granted her request to take the veil. She entered the Dominican convent at Aviero in Portugal in 1473, but the royal family objected to her taking vows because she might be needed to marry to ensure the continuity of the royal bloodline. She agreed, but fended off arranged marriages and did not take her vows until 1485 when the succession of her family was secured. On one of many trips to court, Joanna was poisoned by a woman, a person she had rebuked for leading an evil life. The princess lived several months in fearful pain, enduring all her sufferings heroically. She died, as it says in an old chronicle, with the, with the detachment of a religious and the dignity of a queen, and with the religious community around her. She died on the 12th of May, 1490, in Aviero, Portugal, of natural causes. She was beatified on December the 31st, 1692, by Pope Innocent XII. Blessed Jane of Portugal, pray for us. The Gospel today comes to us from John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from, he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. 
Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ, in all things. I was looking through the early church fathers today on this, and you know, one of the the big points that really stuck out was, especially with St. Augustine, was how this passage was being used by Gnostics, by heretics, by people who would say that there was secret and hidden knowledge passed on, and only they possessed that. And so, Augustine was really, was, uh, was anxious to debunk them in all things. And I also saw a trend in the early church fathers on this passage of really trying to understand the nature of the Trinity. You know, um, I used to use, when I did a lot of apologetics against, um, or not with, not against, but with non-Catholics, and they would say, well, where in Scripture is this or that, or like the priesthood or, or whatever, I would always say, you know, if it walks like a duck and talks like a duck, it's a duck, whether they call it a duck or not. Well, th- there's something to that here with the Trinity as well. You can clearly see uh, all of the parts of the Trinity are present here in this passage, and they are being spoken of with this intimate connection to each other and their work and, the, and their nature among us. And uh, so I think that's very fascinating when you're looking through the early church fathers to see how they were dealing with these passages with the problems of their day. But when it comes to the secret knowledge, I like this quote from uh, Augustine. He would say, So then, we are not to understand these words of our Lord to refer to certain secret doctrines, which, if the teacher revealed, the discipline, the disciple would not be able to bear, but to those very things in religious doctrine which are within the comprehension of us all. He goes on to say, Our Lord's promise does not refer to this life only, but to the life to come for which this complete fullness is reserved. The Holy Spirit both teaches believers now all the spiritual things which they are capable of receiving, and also kindles in their hearts a desire to know more. Didymus the blind in the 4th century would talk about how the Old Testament is brought to its perfection in the New, and seen here in this passage, he would say, As yet they were slaves to the types and shadows and images of the law and could not bear the truth of which the law was the shadow. But when the Holy Ghost came, he would lead them by his teaching and discipline into all truth, transferring them from the dead letter to the quickening spirit, in whom alone all scripture, truth, resides. There is so much more to talk about here in this passage, but rather the point I want to leave you with is the Lord equips the called rather than called the equipped. He provides the promise of the Trinity. We'll be right back. Deacon Nick Donnelly is coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in the pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs are available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. GloryAndShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryAndShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryAndShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, 
craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul. Unquote. God love you, GloryAndShine.com. Thank you again. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up in about uh, 20 minutes or so, we're going to be speaking with uh, Lonesome Lands, Jim Mundorf, about what's going on in the cattle family-owned and operated farms and cattle ranches across America. They are under attack, and we're going to have that conversation uh, later. But right now, joining us via Zoom chat all the way from uh, England is Deacon Nick Donnelly. He's a permanent deacon of the Diocese of Lancaster, England, has a master's in Catholic spirituality. He first trained as a diocesan catechist at the age of 14 and has since taught in Catholic institutes of higher education. He has written catechetical programs for various dioceses as well as many booklets for the Catholic uh, Truth Society. Nick has been married for... Uh, to Martina for over 33 years and lives close to the ruins of the Cistercian Monastery of Our Lady of Furness, where they frequently pray, up in the Lakes region, I believe. Good morning to you, Deacon Nick Donnelly. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, praise be to God. Thank you for your time. We're very grateful to you. Um, there, there's, there's so much to get into. Your book is called um, How to Sur- A Catholic Survival Guide uh, for... A Catholic Survival Guide for Times of Emergency. It's published by Ten. We will link to it, of course. But there was uh, the whole lot of questions that I could come up with, and, and I wish I had about an hour with you to discuss this. But maybe yeah. you can just give us the elevator pitch in your background, just to, uh, on your book, just to start. Um, researching the book and writing it, I discovered that the Holy Spirit's given the Church really powerful devotions to help the faithful receive God's grace to get through times of emergency. You know, the, the, the faith in the church have faced civil war and pestilence and incredible persecution. And the Holy Spirit has guided the faithful to have these wonderful devotions to give them, bring them into the God's grace. Yeah. Um, amen. And, and we, 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 you know, many of these devotions have been forgotten since Vatican II. So this was just a great opportunity for me to like rediscover what the wisdom of the past you know, that's an excellent question. I, I hadn't thought of this till you just said this, but it's all, I started attending uh, the TLM, the traditional Latin Mass, in the, during the pandemic. And um, the, one of the questions that popped into my mind during that process was, well, when St. Paul says to hold fast to the traditions that we have handed on, mm. what, what is, like, like, the tradition of the Church is not just the TLM. Right, it's not just the traditional Latin Mass. It's more than that, and I think it's one of those questions that I, as a person who's growing in faith and growing in love for the tradition of the Church, has a hard time wrapping the mind around what, in fact, is the tradition of the Church, uh, and how does one uh, hold fast to the traditions of the Church if they don't, if they're not taught, or if they're not well understood? Well, that's a very good question. Um, it, 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 you're right. It's not just a traditional Latin Mass, but that, that's like the summit. That's the focus of, of the handing on tradition. 
but th there's a there's a whole raft of of traditional devotions um that are inspired by the saints um that have been promoted by popes if you go back and look at the popes before vatican ii um many popes pr promoted devotion to saint joseph which i mean it's good to see that pope francis has dedicated this year to saint joseph um but the, the magisterium has, has presented devotions um to the faithful for us to observe I know there are many Catholics today who are simply struggling to live their Catholic faith. I mean, in Ireland today, we did an interview a month ago, or maybe a little bit more, uh, with uh, a person in Ireland who told us there are underground masses going on in Catholic Ireland right now. Uh, how do these Catholics survive in these times of emergency? Canada is uh, facing strict lockdowns. Um, so how do these Catholics live their faith in, in these current circumstances? I think in the situation where Catholics are deprived um, the, the sacraments, the, the key thing is that, you know, we, we need to be in a state of sanctifying grace. Um, and one of the key, the two key devotions um, to remain in a state of sanctifying grace, particularly when you can't receive the sacrament of confession. I can't believe in Ireland they kind of criminalized going to Mass and actually receiving the sacrament of confession, even outside, is the act of perfect contrition. I mean, this, th this devotion, the act of perfect contrition, I really think that the, the clergy should be teaching, you know, online and, and in, in their newsletters on, from their pulpits. It, 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 uh, the act of perfect contrition... Um, under certain conditions, absolves us from mortal sin. Mm. Hard to and accomplish, it, though, is it not? Well, you see, this is it. it it's uh, it's the word perfect. Now, now, people hear the word perfect and think it's to do with their effort, that they've got to make a perfect. Their uh, human effort has got to be perfect, when actually the, the act of perfect contrition is a grace from God, and the word perfect, that's where the misunderstanding or confusion happens. It's the focus is on, of your contrition is on God, on his love, on his holiness, and feeling contrition that we've offended his holiness. Mm. Um, and um, an imperfect contrition is when our focus is on fear of hell, fear of punishment, and the focus is on us. So the word perfect is, is actually, it conveys that our focus is on God, not on ourselves. This is a pretty vital uh, teaching, I would say, for those, especially like a year ago when they weren't able to, they were sitting in hospitals and you couldn't get a priest in there uh, yeah. to hear your last rites or to provide you extreme unction. Uh, so those were very desperate times. I think the most, for the most part, that's probably not the case anymore. But uh, what about situations like in Germany right now, where we see so many of uh, the clergy in Germany um, opposing what the Vatican has put out? They blessed same-sex unions recently. There's been much talk, even by cardinals, to say that they're on the precipice of schism. How do Catholics live faithful lives in those circumstances? It's um, Our Lady has prepared us for this moment over hundreds of years. Um, Basically, it's penance, penance, penance. We need to have a daily spirituality of reparation. For their disobedience, we need to become people of complete obedience to the will of heaven. And the will of heaven has been expressed to us at uh, Fatima, at Lourdes, at Akita. So the, 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 Our Lady's message has always been pray the rosary and make 
acts of reparation to because God is so deeply offended by the sins of mankind and God must be so offended by the terrible example of these priests and deacons and bishops in Germany. Mm. And uh, speaking of which, the uh, on the other side, not Germany, but in England, the English Bishop Conference I saw yesterday came out uh, saying that the uh, they should they, to start a novena to for Pentecost, and that's great. Except mm. they were doing it for the for creation uh, right. and for the earth. And uh, how do we? <laughs> uh, this seems like we have completely flipped our piety, and our piety is directed towards the earth and creation rather than to the supernatural and to the salvation of souls. Uh, how, what do we, how do we respond to this? I mean, that was so disappointing. Um, I think particularly in the light of the church, I mean, the Pope and bishops recommending that we use abortion tainted vaccines. The priority for us now is to do novenas for the unborn. Um, we, we need to, we need to up our game about our prophetic witness about the sanctity of life. So to focus on the on the world and not to focus on on the slaughter of the innocents around us, I think is was a t- is a terrible mistake. Mm. We're, t- we're speaking with Deacon Nick Donnelly. He has a book out published by Ten. It's called A Catholic Survival Guide for Times of Emergency. Published by Ten again. Uh, great book. You should pick it up. I know I'm going to. Um, I think it's very helpful. I know you wrote this during the the pandemic COVID year of 2020. Uh, yeah. But I feel like there's so much great overlap to just general chaotic times that we find ourselves in. Um, for instance, we reported on a story, again, this was maybe two months ago now, uh, there was a parish in, in New Jersey who who basically said, you can't come to confession unless you are vaccinated. Um, and then a lot of people spoke out against it, the bishop got yeah. involved, and the policy was reversed, sort of. Uh, he wouldn't let non-vaccinated people into the confessional, but he would hear their confessions face-to-face out in the sanctuary. And then we've seen images from across the United States anyway, I don't know if it's true in England or elsewhere, uh, where some parishes have segregated the uh, congregation in the pews by vaccination. How do, how do Catholics are trying to live normal lives, right? Well, I mean, yeah. no matter what goes on in the headlines, most Catholics are just trying to get by day-to-day. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and just get through their life, and they just want to live normal lives. How do we do? Do we vote with our feet here? Do we just say I'm done, and then we move on? We find a different parish. We we go look for that TLM community. I mean, how how do Catholics cope with this? I think the first thing is to know your rights under canon law. Now, canon law says that the faithful have the right to receive the sacraments if they have the right disposition, and they're not prohibited by sacred law. That's canon two one three and nine one five. So if your priest is denying you the sacrament of confession, politely remind him of your rights under canon law. If he ignores you, then go and contact your bishop and inform him of the situation. And if, and if you're ignored again, then consult a canon lawyer. And I think you need to go and find another parish. But I think the faithful need to insist on their rights uh, as baptized sons and daughters of God. Um, to receive the sacraments. It's a fundamental right of the faithful. Mm. Amen. I love that. 
And I was just talking about St. Catherine of Siena earlier, Deacon, and she was a saint who didn't just survive the plague and the difficult corruption and the schism. She thrived at that time. And she, yeah. and we saw her, that she could levitate. She had all these miracles. So how do we as Catholics learn to thrive instead of just survive in difficult times? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I mean, if, if you have a knowledge of history, and I love I'm just discovering again the, the richness of church history, is that the church actually thrives when we're back our backs against the wall um, because it, it kind of like focuses our mind. Um, there's that ancient saying, you know, um, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. So, I mean, God willing, we're not going to be called to, to sacrifice our blood, but there's all different types of martyrdom. And um, we're kind of like bringing down grace into the church by our obedience and our faithfulness, God willing. And, and that's preparing the ground for the, the church to revive. There's, after persecution and survival, there's always a, a re- renewal of the church, a real renewal, not a, folk, folk, a false renew that we've seen after Vatican II. Uh, we have about 30 seconds left uh, with our conversation with uh, Deacon Nick Donnelly. What is the role of a deacon, especially uh, now that we've heard that there are going to be a pseudo minor order of catechists coming up out of the Vatican? Uh, what is the role of the deacon in, in this context? 30 seconds. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, be faithful. A deacon should be faithful to the magisterium of the church, defend the magisterium of the church no matter what the cost is, and preach the word of God in season and out of season. Deacon Nick Donnelly has been our guest, the Catholic Survival Guide for Times of Emergency. Deacon, where where is the best place to get your book? Um, well, you can get it directly from Tan Books or Amazon.com. Tan Books or on Amazon.com. I, I would say go to Tan. Give it to give your yeah, money yeah. to Tan. That would be right. a, a good thing to do. Well, Deacon Nick Donnelly, uh, thank you for being on. We'd love to have you back sometime. God bless you. And love God it. love you. Thank you. Thank you so much, Joe, and everybody. All right. Have a great day, Deacon. Uh, That's going to do it for the What's Concerning Us. After this very short break, Emily's going to have breaking news. And then we're going to talk about the attack on uh, family-owned and operated farms and ranches. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say... We should not blame people for whatever bad things they may sometimes do. We should not judge them for their faults. We should be kind and merciful. Well, of course we should be kind and merciful. However, it is not merciful to say that we should not blame them for the sins they commit. As G.K. Chesterton says, blame is actually a compliment. It is a compliment because it is an appeal to a man's soul. When we call a man a coward, we are, in so doing, asking him how he can be a coward when he could be a hero. When we rebuke a man for being a sinner, we imply that he has the potential of being a saint. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today's Wednesday, May 12th, and these are your headlines for today. The Louisiana State Legislature last week passed a resolution recognizing January 22nd, 2022, the 49th anniversary of legalized abortion throughout the U.S. as a day of tears. Senator Beth Mizell said, as a pro-life state, we must continue to bring attention to the loss of innocent lives from abortions yearly. Let us work together to demonstrate that we value life and strive to protect the unborn. Louisiana joins Arkansas, Mississippi, and Alabama in recognizing January 22nd as a day of tears. Citizens are encouraged to lower their flags to half-staff on that day to mourn unborn children who have lost their lives from abortion. The Day of Tears Incorporated is a national pro-life organization that aims to introduce and enact resolutions similar to Louisiana's in states around the country. The legislation comes amid what one pro-life leader calls an unprecedented surge of pro-life bills at the state level. According to a report published April 30th by the pro-abortion Guttmacher Institute, 536 pro-life bills have been introduced in 46 states in the year 2021 with 61 new pro-life laws. Father Hugo Valdemar, canon penitentiary of the Archdiocese of Mexico, said that the blessing that priests and pastoral workers gave May 10th to homosexual couples in Germany is, quote, a truly diabolical act of pride and immorality. Father Valdemar added, It is not only an act of indiscipline and rebellion against the Pope and the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, it is a truly sacrilegious act. Priests and pastoral workers of the church in Germany blessed homosexual couples in a May 10th event called Love Wins, held in more than 100 locations throughout the country with the support of several bishops, including the president of the German Bishops' Conference, Bishop George Batzing of Limburg. The event was an open rebellion to the explicit prohibition by the CDF, which said March 15th that the church hasn't the power to bless same-sex unions. Father Valdemar explained that persons can always be blessed, even if they are sinners. But that which is in itself a serious sin and offensive to God, such as homosexual acts, cannot be blessed. Valdemar also emphasized that the church does not discriminate against people with homosexual tendencies. On the contrary, the catechism and various ecclesial documents call for deep respect and authentic pastoral charity towards them. The Vatican has told the bishops of England and Wales that it is amending the Code of Canon Law in response to their request for adjustments concerning clerical sexual abuse. The English and Welsh bishops raised detailed concerns about the phrase against the Sixth Commandment, contra sextum in Latin, in their letter to the Vatican. The letter signed by Cardinal Nichols and Bishops' Conference General Secretary Canon Christopher Thomas said that while the term contra sextum was part of canonical tradition, it is no longer adequate to meet the demands of a contemporary canonical approach to sexual offenses against minors and their equivalent in law. The bishop suggested that the term was difficult to reconcile with other aspects of canon law and was only recently used by the Eastern Catholic Churches and is a source of confusion for civil authorities. The response from the Vatican stated that, in the revised Book 6 of the 1983 Code of Canon Law, 
Crimes against minors are considered under a different title than crimes against the obligations of celibacy on the part of clerics. The revised title will be Crimes Against the Life, Dignity, and Freedom of Man and will include a canon that is specific to crimes against minors. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for keeping us up to date. I want to real quick just thank uh, realestateforlife.org for generously underwriting a portion of our program today. Realestateforlife.org is connecting buyers and sellers of houses to support pro-life organizations like ours. So thank you, realestateforlife.org. Joining us right now is Jim Mundorf from lonesomelands.com to talk about a sacred and uh, incredible institution of American uh, culture, which is family-owned and operated farms and, and cattle ranches and how they are under attack. I first started to pay attention to this a year ago when when my family went to the grocery store to buy food and wasn't able to find, you know, steak, couldn't find beef, couldn't find what we generally eat available because of the shortages. And so I, I started to dig into this. And this led me and my family to start purchasing cattle, our, our beef, from local ranchers. And so uh, I was very inspired by the information that I was learning from LonesomeLands.com and to uh, have that conversation. Jim Mundorf, Mundorf is with us this morning. Good morning to you, Jim. Thank you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Thanks for your time today. Um, you know, I, I, too few of us think at all about where our food comes from. We just go to the store, it's delivered up under a plastic wrap on a, on a styrofoam plate, we cook it up, it's tasty, we love it, and we don't think twice about it. That's part of the reason why I started hunting in 2014, was just to, to get my hands a little dirty and to figure out, you know, how does this all work? So maybe you can start by giving us the, uh, the elevator pitch on what it's like to be a family-owned and operated farmer or a rancher in America today. Yeah, I mean, it's um, <laughs> it's getting tougher. I mean, it seems like it's getting tougher all the time. The last five years have been have been real tough to where, and I think you talk about the connection. I think a lot of people see see the prices in the in the grocery stores and think that um, you know cattle people raising cattle are probably making a lot of money, but they just aren't. Over the last five years, there's been um, just the the price of beef has had no correlation at all to the price of cattle and um and so that's kind of put the put the squeeze on on a lot of people raising cattle um it's been tough on them and and it's nothing really it it hasn't changed we've been we've been working on trying to get things to change and it really hasn't and so um that's where kind of what what i've been putting out there where where all that's going <clears throat> can we can we break it down to like its basic elements so that our, our audience can understand so you have people who raise cattle and then the cattle goes from there to uh to i think feeders you say so they fatten them up and then they go to they go to the processors and then the processors to the grocery stores or to the restaurants is that accurate yep yeah i mean there's there's more to it i mean it can get kind of complicated. I mean, cattle can be sold multiple times during their lifetime. Um, and there's different, you know, and some people, some of the feeders are family owned. When I was a kid, we would feed out, um, which means by, by feeder, I mean, they would buy a calf who's been weaned. Um, and sometimes they're bigger, sometimes they're lighter. And you would, um, put them in a feed yard, feed lot, 
and feed them corn until they're ready to be butchered. When I was a kid, we had uh, lots that would you could feed up to, I think, 500 head at our place. Wow. Um, and there was a place like that about every few miles down the road um, back then. But then it's really been consolidated. You don't find a whole lot of people feeding out those numbers. Now it's thousands. Um, and so, um, but the, yeah, the smaller guys are mainly just have cows. They're raising the calves, helping the calves have the ca- how helping the cows have the calves. And then, and then they go to the feed yards and then the feed yards will sell to a packer. And that's where, that's where the problems, um, so last year when I found your YouTube channel, I started watching your videos and started paying attention to some of this stuff that was going on. One of the, 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 converse, one of the bits of the converse, conversations you were having uh, with you and some of the other guys on the channel were that the Packers, there used to be more of them, but apparently now there's only like four or something like that. And there's a lot of foreign-owned interest in them. And then the, the argument was they allegedly worked together to reduce production in order to inflate their profits, but that put a massive burden upon the family-owned and operated cattle rancher. Can you speak to that? Right, and so there's now four, the four major packers, which are Tyson, Cargill, JBS, and National, and um, they control 80% of all the beef um, that's butchered um, in the U.S., so, and JBS and National are both Brazilian owned and, and they own over 50, they control over, I mean, they say over 50% of that 80%. So the majority um, of that is, <clears throat> excuse me, is foreign owned. Um, and the, where you, yeah, so there are multiple lawsuits against them for trying to um, work together, collude, collusion. Um, and, and where they, there's actually a witness who's worked at one of the packing plants who says that that he's, you know, once cattle prices get too high, they'll slow production down and then that will create, you know, then that'll create an oversupply of cattle, which drives the price down. Mm. J- uh, Jim Mundorf, how do I say last name properly? Is it Mundorf? Mundorf. Mundorf. I knew I was getting Mundorf. it wrong. I'm sorry about that. Jim Mundorf yeah, <laughs> uh, from Lonesome Lands is our guest. We're talking about uh, family-owned and operated cattle ranches and farms in America and the difficulties and pressures they've been facing. So a year ago, uh, everybody, when we were doing the rush thing on the toilet paper, right? We all were hoarding toilet paper and yeah. and what else, what was some of the other crazy things? Oh, deep deep freezers was another one. I could not yeah. buy a deep freezer to save my life a year ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so there was all this craziness that was going on. And so I started to pay attention to it. But what you're saying is with, with these, uh, the allegedly, these processors colluding together to reduce production, which creates demand on beef, increasing their profits and lowering the, uh, what uh, the cattle ranch can get. Um, this is a market manipulation that's really bad, but it had nothing to do with Corona. That, I want to emphasize that point. Uh, On the other side of this very short break, we're going to continue our conversation with Jim, and we're going to talk about another aspect where cattle ranchers could face, family-owned ones anyway, could face massive problems, and that's being able to pass it on to the next generation. All of that coming up right after this very short break. I'm in charge here. 
right? One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Solari of Belmont Abbey. Many people have the idea that monks have a rigid code of obedience based on instant conformity to the orders of the abbot. They would probably be shocked to learn that in his rule, St. Benedict tells the abbot that he is supposed to adapt himself to the needs of the monks, not force the monks to adapt themselves to him. The leader's responsibility, according to St. Benedict, is to provide the maximum benefit for the greatest number of people by being attentive to what, within reason, works best for each person. This is a very different idea of leadership from what we normally see. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E MinuteMonk.com. Like the abbot in a monastery, are we willing to make the sacrifices to adapt ourselves for the benefit of the people we serve? Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a 1,000 pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you for joining us here on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Jim Mundorf is our guest. LonesomeLands.com is his website. Having a conversation about how the cattle business works, where your food comes from. That's a comment. I was reading a comment during the break on YouTube that says, I heard on a stream yesterday, this is Josh Patterson saying this, he says, I heard on a stream yesterday that a man in the city didn't understand how rising costs and pressures on, on, uh, agribusiness could prevent him from getting his food because quote food comes from the store unquote i mean just it, we yeah. there's a real disconnect about yeah, how, where food comes from and how it all works mm-hmm. but for me in my from my point of view uh it was the concern over um the the long-standing american institution of family-owned and operated you know farms and ranches being able to work hard. I mean, well, some of my, my fondest memories as a kid was my grandparents' farm in Indiana. And uh, being able to pass these, the, uh, the farm, the ranch, the land onto your, the next generation and to see it continue to grow, to thrive, not just to provide for one's own self and to build our own wealth or whatever, but rather to, um, to ser- it's, it's also a service to the rest of our country. Uh, but now we, it seems to suggest what you were saying before the break was, uh, if these processors who have now been limited down to only a handful with with a lot of foreign interest in them have have colluded allegedly to lower to lower production increasing their profits and putting the burden upon the cattle rancher um, it seems like that sacred institution is at risk how do you continue how do you make money how do you pay your bills yeah i mean that's that's the problem um and we're there's a pushback and there's people really fighting. There's some organizations that are um, some cattlemen's organizations, farm organizations that are really trying to, trying to make it to where a smaller, smaller people can, uh, or smaller people producing can, can stay in business. And so that's, that's kind of the fight (laughs) there. Um, So do you see a future for your family? Yes. Yes, I do. I mean, I'm, 
if you don't, then you kind of give up the fight then. <laughs> but yes, I do. Um, I mean, and it isn't, I don't want to make it seem horrible. Like my family is involved that we do a lot of grain farming. And so, um, you know, if the cattle business and that's, that's part of it too, is, you know, there's a lot of people that don't, that don't have to have the income from the cattle. And so then it's, but they're still raising cattle. And so then it's hard kind of try, trying to get their attention as the people who are, who are strictly making money, um, making their living off of cattle. Um, you, we want to keep as many of those in the, in the um, pipeline as we can, just because if, as things get consolidated down, consolidated down, then you lose control just like, um, just like with the, what's happened in the packing industry. So you're diversifying then just to make sure that you have the means to, uh, to continue without having to put all your eggs, so to speak, in one basket. Yeah, yeah, and that's always kind of been a, you know, um, and it depends on where you're located, but that's always kind of been a with farming and ranching. I mean, back in the day, like my grandparents, they raised, they had chickens and hogs and they had a garden and all kinds of stuff, but it it seems like as time goes by, it just gets, it's been more specialized. Um, and you know, it's, it's always hard to see things change, but you, you, um, you kind of have to roll with it and, and do what you can. But now Jim, I've grown up in cities my entire life. I know a lot of our listeners are in big cities on the East coast in the Southern United States. What would you say to convince them to go out and seek a small business or a small farmer to buy from instead of just going to the grocery store across the street? Yeah, I mean, um, you can get a lot out of it. I mean, and once you do, it's good to, it's hard to explain kind of, but being able to buy your food from the people raising it is, it's just, like I said, it's hard to really put into words, but you're, you're you can see who you're, who you're keeping in business and, and you can make those connections and where your food comes from. And it's like you said with honey, I mean, some of those things are just hard to put into words, but when you can actually see where your food comes from, it means a lot more to you when you're, when you're, um, yeah. you know, putting it, <laughs> eating it. So, yeah, we, but well, you know, we butcher our, our, our animals ourselves right on the yeah. dining room table. Our kids see the whole process and when we're eating those uh, tasty, uh, you know, backstrap steaks, boy, there's the, there's an appreciation for the whole for the whole uh, for the whole thing, and I think that's lost for the most part. There's a disconnect mentally of uh, the animal that's uh, slaughtered to put on uh, styrofoam plates in a grocery store. Some people don't even see them as animals anymore, and I think there's a lack of respect there for for those animals in that regard. Um, one of the other aspects that I've heard you talk about is the the uh, what they call uh, inheritance tax, or, or um, what is the uh, the other term I've heard thrown around a lot? Death tax. Death tax. Thank you. So there, under the current policy, it seems like there's a heavy burden upon these uh, farms and ranches. Are you at all concerned about that? Well, right now there isn't um, there isn't that much of a burden because of the exemptions. But the the real concern is what when was com- campaigned on in the in the last election and what joe biden campaigned on was removing the stepped up basis and what that is is it takes the value of the property um like say your parents property before you inherit it it takes what they received it for that value and it steps it up to today's current value and if you get rid of that stepped up basis you'll be inheriting property and it will that will be valued at what your parents 
purchased the property for or what they inherited the property for. And um, if that isn't stepped up, then you want a tax on that difference. And that could really hurt agriculture because, um, you know, the, their property has, well, the property in the U.S. Has, has really jumped over the past 20, 30 years. And, and so, um, and when it comes to land, we don't have a whole lot of, you know, cash sitting in the bank to pay taxes, but it, we just mainly want the, want the land um, to be able to create a living. And if we have to pay a big tax on that land, once it's, once it's inherited, then, you know, that land will end up being, you'd have to sell the land to pay the portion of the taxes. Jim Mundorf is our guest. Lonesomelands.com is the website. I encourage you to check it out and watch some of these videos where they talk about the complexities of the market. Um, I'm just fascinated by listening to this and trying to wrap my head around futures and all that stuff, how it works. But Jim, what about what about corporate farming and ranching that seems to be uh, taking over America? There was, well, was it like December or something like that? I think Bill Gates bought a ton of land. Um, and, and he's not alone. There's a bunch of people doing it. Uh, what do you think about that as a guy who uh, grew up, you know, using the land, raising cattle, farming and all of that? How do you see corporate farming in America? Yeah, it's I mean, it's it's concerning for sure. And it's, it's not a huge problem, I would say. Um, it can it can be over over exaggerated. But yeah, when there are people with those big names, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, um, some of those big time guys who don't, who don't really have a connection, like you were saying. Um, I mean, Bill Gates has urged people to stop eating meat and <laughs> beef. Um, and so when that, when he becomes a big landowner, there's, it's, and also, you know, their income isn't, isn't based on agriculture. So, they're just buying land. I mean, it, it's very concerning. <laughs> it's very concerning. And and there's a big, you know, it, really to get the feeling of rural America, everybody's kind of just wondering what in the, you know, what is going on? Like, why is he doing this? Um, because he, he's really shown that he's not a friend of agriculture. Um, but he's, he's buying up all this farmland. And so it, it's kind of a head scratcher for a lot of people, but um, yeah, there's definitely a concern there. As I said at the beginning of our conversation, it was uh, watching your video that really encouraged me to figure out how to purchase uh, beef from a local rancher, which we've done now as a family and we'll continue to do. And I know I've seen people here in the, uh, in the comments uh, on YouTube are hanging out with us and they're saying, yeah, I've been doing it for years, buying directly from local people. You know who they are. You know the quality of the product. It's a great relationship, wonderful way to support local ranchers. Um, I know there's some complexities in that. Maybe you can explain it to us, Jim. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess the main complexity right now is once once that beef shortage um, did hit the grocery stores last year, like you were talking about, a lot of people took cattle to or they found their local rancher and they said, I want to buy beef. Um, like you said, they bought up all the deep freezes. And now there is a backlog in like local lockers who can who can butcher beef for you that's out a year plus. So if I wanted to take an animal and get it butchered and, and be able to sell it, and there's a lot of issues with regulation and different things too, that could, could be changed. But if I wanted to take that animal, it, it would take me, I'd have to wait a year. So you have to get wow. it 
you have to get in line really. Um, but there's some, I don't want to be all down in the dumps. There's some really good things <laughs> happening. There's a big, there's some ranchers who've gotten together in Western Nebraska who are, who are planning on building a big uh, beef processing plant that will be rancher owned pretty much. Um, there's another one, I think central Missouri, that's, that's almost finished. That's a small, some of these smaller, you know, as the, as this, you know, beef packers have been make, able to make a ton of money. And, and so now there's the, people have seen that and they really put the squeeze on the ranchers. So there are things happening there. There's, there's local lockers that are expanding or trying to, and, and a lot of ranchers are now selling their beef direct. So, cause I know it came up last year when there was a lot of beef shortages at the grocery stores and everybody was like, what's going on. And the questions were coming up. Well, why don't ranchers just sell directly to consumers? Why can't yeah. I just go onto your website and order up myself a butchered cow and have it shipped to me? That's just not possible. We have about uh, 20 seconds. Yep. Um, and there's, like I said, there's regulations there with USDA and state inspected and, and how, how it has to be inspected and different things like that are, have made it hard for ranchers too. But um, there's getting to be a lot out there um, so if it, and, and easier to find for you too. So you All right. Jim Mundorf, I'm grateful for your time today. Thank you, sir, and uh, God bless you and your family for your work and service to our country. Thank you. appreciate it. All right, LonesomeLands.com is the website. Check that out. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. If you can join us in the second hour, we'd love to have you. Prizes are at stake. You can find us online at grnonline.com forward slash cdt to watch live or to get the rules of our game that's coming up in the next hour, grnonline.com forward slash cdt god bless you and god love you thank you for joining us on your catholic drive time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired join us monday through friday at the same time right here on your favorite catholic radio station don't forget to connect with us just go to facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time again that's facebook.com forward slash catholic drive time be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. I have a friend who says that baptism is a symbolic act and that it has nothing to do with salvation. How can I answer him? Simple. Show him what the Bible says. Nowhere does the Bible say that baptism is merely a symbolic act. That passage simply does not exist. But the Bible does say this about baptism. In Ezekiel 36, verses 25 to 27, it says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will put my spirit within you. Here in the Old Testament, we have a foreshadowing of New Testament baptism. In the New Testament, Acts 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No symbolic language here. The book of Acts says, Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Ezekiel says, I will sprinkle clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from your uncleannesses. The book of Acts says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Ezekiel says, And I will put my spirit within you. Do you begin to see how God in the Old Covenant was preparing us for what He gives us in the New Covenant? Acts twenty-two sixteen. And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. What body was that? The body of Christ. 1 Peter 3, 21. 
Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Scripture simply does not support the non-Catholic notion that baptism is symbolic. Scripture does, however, very clearly and directly support the Catholic teaching that baptism saves us, that baptism makes us members of the body of Christ, that baptism washes away sin, and that through baptism we receive the Holy Spirit just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Your odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. It is great to be back on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Had two great conversations last hour. Uh, Deacon Nick Donnelly, a Catholic survival guide for times of emergency. Great conversation. We'll be posting that later today. And then Jim Mundorf from LonesomeLands.com. By the way, I didn't mention this in the conversation, but uh, if you were watching on the video stream, if you're listening on radio, you, you wouldn't have known. But on the video stream, you could see these long horns behind his head. He was where he's a, he's a rancher from Iowa, and he was had these longhorns behind his head. I think he actually creates artwork from uh, Texas Longhorns. Uh, I'm pretty sure you'll find more information about that on LonesomeLands.com. But he gave us some education and insight into what it's like to be a family-owned and operated farm and cattle rancher in America today. It's not easy. There's a lot of great difficulty, including market manipulation, uh, taxes, and the rest. And it was a good conversation. We'll be posting that later today as well. Uh, good morning to you, Emily Alcarez. Good morning. I'm surprised that uh, it seems like even he doesn't have any idea why Bill Gates is buying up all the the land, the yeah. agriculture land. It's like, curious. does anyone know why is he doing this? Because it's very suspicious. It is suspicious. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. All I can say is that Bill Gates better not mess with my beef because <laughs> I like my beef. So, oh, he's fine with it uh, as long as you don't actually eat beef. Well, I know <laughs> it's completely. Okay. I know. I know a lot of these billionaires have been encouraging people to eat bugs. So, um, yeah. have you I'm seen Snowpiercer? I'm gonna stick with beef. Have you seen Snowpiercer? I've not. But don't, don't watch it. Whatever okay. you do. I won't because you know, no, yeah, no, 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 (laughs) not eating bugs. I'll stick with beef. You can have bugs. I'll take the beef. Now uh, there are parts of our our world where bugs are like uh, highly favored uh, meals. Uh, You go to China, you find lots of lots of bug opportunities there. Uh, Emily, have you eaten bugs? Yes, I have. Um, When I went to Thailand when I was seventeen, we ate fried grubs. Really, and Mm -hmm. and everybody says they taste like butter. 
Yeah, popcorn. It was like eating a bag of popcorn. They were crunchy, too. They were. That's a hard pass. They <laughs> just crunchy, too. If you just ate it and I didn't tell you what you were eating, you would like it. Now, I, if I'm not mistaken, I don't know how we got into the bug conversation so early in the, in the show, but if I'm not mistaken, there are parts of Mexico where they grow, they actually have hornet wasps in the home because that's a part of, they make a meal out of them. Yeah, wasps and grasshoppers are really popular. Popular. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I'm an American. I'll stick with my beef. <laughs> Maybe more of this in the after show. Uh, this is kind of an after show conversation, so we'll we'll pin it there. And if you want to join us for the after show, all you got to do is hang out with us for the second half hour of this hour on the live video stream, which, by the way, you can find on our website as well. So Facebook, YouTube, and our website, those are great places to go, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. But in this hour, we will have uh, breaking news and stories, all good news in the second in this second hour. And then, of course, Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we will do uh, the Fear and Trembling Game Show. So three opportunities to get in on the prize this week, thanks to Little Way Design Co. Praise be to God. Thank you for your generous support of our game show today. All of that coming up, and if you want the phone number, if you want to get on early and hang out, well, you're welcome to do it. You can find the rules and the phone number on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Otherwise, let's pray. Let's pray for your intentions as well as our own. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, now the good news with Emily Alcaraz. A local Catholic association is supporting physicians in their vocation. When Saad Jazrawi, a committed Catholic and newly minted medical doctor, moved to Oregon, He found the spiritual and practical encouragement he sought in the Portland Catholic Physicians Guild. The Portland Guild is a chapter of the Catholic Medical Association and one of about 110 such organizations nationwide. It aims to uphold principles of Catholic morality in medicine, to communicate Catholic medical ethics to the broader community, and to fortify medical professionals in their faith. Periodically, multiple guilds convene to learn about issues or upcoming legislation with ethical or religious liberty implications. Members also have engaged in advocacy, testifying at the Oregon State Capitol against euthanasia and collecting signatures for various Respect Life measures. The Guild sometimes collaborates with other Christian associations on issues. In November of last year, the Portland Group sent a letter to Oregon Governor Kate Brown conveying concerns about pandemic-related restrictions on communal worship. A Marian icon revered by Catholics in Belarus was recovered undamaged on Tuesday following a fire at a church in the village where it has been venerated for centuries. The icon of Our Lady of Budslau was found unscathed on the morning of May 11th amid the blaze of the Church of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Minutes after smoke was seen billowing from the roof, Pastor Father Dmitry Dubovic and volunteers entered the church and removed the icon and the Blessed Sacrament. The church's roof was destroyed in the blaze which firefighters battled for more than four hours. The cause of the fire is still unknown. The icon is currently being kept at a safe location and will soon be available for veneration again. 
In a statement, the bishops of Belarus appealed to Catholics to support the reconstruction of the late Baroque church, saying, We, the Catholic bishops of Belarus, call on all the faithful to join together in prayer and possible assistance in the restoration of the shrine in Butzlau, built by our ancestors with great love for God and his blessed mother. Catholics are the second largest religious community after Orthodox Christians in Belarus, where there is an annual celebration in honor of Our Lady of Butzlau. And Pope Francis issued an apostolic letter on Tuesday formally instituting the new lay ministry of catechist. The Vatican released the papal letter Anticum Ministerium, Ancient Ministry, on May 11th in eight languages, including Italian Sign Language. The Pope said that the institution of the new lay ministry would emphasize even more the missionary commitment proper to every baptized person, a commitment that must, however, be carried out in a fully secular manner, avoiding any form of clericalization. The letter issued Modo Proprio is dated May 10th, the feast of the 16th century Spanish doctor of the church, St. John of Avila. In the apostolic letter, the Pope recalled the role of catechists throughout church history, beginning with the New Testament's first epistle to the Corinthians, which refers to teachers within the early Christian community. The Holy Father added, quote, Catechists are called first to be expert in the pastoral service of transmitting the faith as it develops through its different stages, from the initial proclamation of the kerygma to the instruction that presents our new life in Christ and prepares for the sacraments of Christian initiation, and then to the ongoing formation that can allow each person to give an accounting of the hope within them. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Wednesday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Blessed Jane of Portugal, pray for us. Blessed Jane, or Joanna, was born on the 16th of February, 1452, in Lisbon, in Portugal. A child of many prayers, she was born heiress to the throne of her father, King Alphonsus V, at a time when Spain and Portugal had divided the colonial wealth of the earth between them. Her sickly brother Juan was born three years later, and soon after, their mother, Queen Elizabeth of Cumbria, uh, died. Joanna was left to the care of a wise and pious nurse who cultivated the child's natural piety. But by the age of five, the little princess had exceeded her teacher in penitential practices. She fasted, she prayed, she rose at night to take the discipline, and she wore a hair shirt under her glittering court apparel. We ought to make that a trivia question. What is the discipline at night? I wonder if you know. She was regent of Portugal when her father and brother went to war against the Moors. And when they defeated the Moors in 1471, her father, in the first flush of victory, granted her request to take the veil. She entered the Dominican convent at Aviero in Portugal in 1473. The royal family objected to her taking vows because she might be needed to marry to ensure the continuity of the royal bloodline. She agreed and fended off arranged marriages and did not take vows until 1485 when the succession of her family was secured. On one of many trips back to court, though, Joanna was poisoned by a woman, a person she had rebuked for leading an evil life. The princess lived several months in fearful pain, enduring all her sufferings heroically. She died, as it is said in an old chronicle, quote, with the detachment of a religious and the dignity of a queen, unquote, and with the religious community surrounding her. She died on the 12th of May, 1490. She was beatified December the 31st, 1692 by Pope Innocent XII, blessed Jane of Portugal, pray for us. 
The gospel today comes to us from John chapter 16, verses 12 through 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Augustine would say, by pouring love into the hearts of believers and making them spiritual and so able to see that the Son of Man whom they had known before only according to the flesh and thought a man like themselves was equal to the Father. Let that set in for a moment. They were able to see Christ for the first time in a way they had never seen him before. They could see his flesh, his blood, his body. They could touch him and hang out with him, talk to him, all of that. But for the first time, thanks to the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, they could see him for who he truly was, Son of the Most High. He was the second person of the Blessed Trinity. Faith Faith is what drives us. Let us hold fast to it. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, the there's a few things here. I'm going to start, or I will stick with this one passage. Verse 16, A little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Uh, the This is very important. Our Lord here, there's a couple senses of Scripture that we have here. First is, in a few hours, our Lord will die on the cross, and be buried. And but in three days he shall rise again. And uh, the Cornelius Lapide articulates it in the, as such For in a few hours I shall die on the cross and be buried, but in three days I shall rise again and manifest myself to you with great joy. For I will short, uh, shall shortly afterward ascend into heaven. Okay, so there's a, there's a second point. So I shall, uh, you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me. So the first sense is the death and resurrection of our Lord. The second sense is the ascension of our Lord and then the coming at the second coming. And but then people will say, well, he said a little while. It's been about 2,000 years. Why uh, it doesn't seem like the second coming has happened in a little while? Well, Cornelius Lapide says that these, the whole present age, and he's quoting St. Augustine as well here, the, the idea here is that the little while to us is different than the mind of God. Because then in the mind of God, he is eternal. And so 2,000 years is nothing in comparison to eternity. So when we enter into heaven, God willing, we will, uh, we will see the world in eternity. And so the time that it took for the second coming to occur will be as no time at all. And so it would be a little while. And so now our, our Lord has promised us the Holy Ghost, which will inspire us and namely the apostles uh, most primarily to guide us in all truth and through the the apostles and thus the church, which we are part of, uh, we will know the truth and we can be witnesses to eternity in heaven, God willing. Shall we? So we should keep his commands. We should follow the guidance of the Holy Ghost that is present in the church, in the magisterium. And via that means we will enter into heaven, God willing.
All right. Praise be to God. Pop question. Do you know what the night discipline is? The ninth discipline? The night. Night. Do you night. know what the night discipline is? Emily, do you know what the night discipline is? Like the discipline as in whipping yourself? Yes. Congratulations. We need a uh, ding, 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 ding. Uh, this, there you go. There you go. Well done. So, blessed Joanna, or blessed Jane of Portugal, she, at five, was getting up in the middle of the night to... Uh, uh, flag herself as uh, Padre Pio did as well by the way all right that is going to do it uh, for what's concerning us or rather I should say the gospel of the day saint of the day and the and the good news praise be to God what's coming now is the game show so if you would like to be our contestant and possibly win some prizes praise be to God right now is the phone number is 877-757-9424 just call that number you could be if you're the first caller you get to be the contestant at 877-757-9424 877-757-9424 call right now looking for our caller at 877-757-9424 praise be to god right after the break we're going to play fear and trembling and prizes are involved we'll be right back praise be to god don't go anywhere Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask, what have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis- Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the app store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. So please don't tell anybody I said this. 
but we do like to do a few things during this trivia game segment, and that is, one, teach the faith. So we have questions that are teachable moments, and you always tend to learn something you probably did not know before. Praise God. We like to have a laugh in the process, and our contestants are always so much fun and, and good sports. And then, of course, we give out prizes. So it's kind of a winner for everybody involved. And here's the kicker. If you're just tuning in and you don't really know what's going on, well, don't worry about it. I have Catholic trivia questions in my hand. They're official. If you're seeing us on the video stream, I'm showing you our Catholic uh, video or Catholic trivia questions, rather. And, uh, but I don't ask the caller. That's the kicker. Caller does not need to know. I ask Emily, I ask Adrian. One of them will be right, the other will be wrong. And the caller will only have 15 seconds to make a decision. Who do they trust more, Emily or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's prize sponsor is Little Way Design Company, which is a shop started by uh, mother and chemical engineer Katerina, and she makes these graphic designs to put on T-shirts, stickers, temporary tattoos, tea towels, mugs, keychains. They've got all kinds of cool little Catholic gifts. I know confirmations are coming up this summer, so this would make a great gift to give away. Thank you, Little Way Design Co. This week they're sponsoring the Three Hearts Tea. All right. Praise be to God. Thank you, Little Way Design Co. We're very grateful to you. And to those that tried to call in today, there were several calls that came through. Praise be to God. You can always try again. Well, I don't know. I guess we'll have to talk about whether or not tomorrow is an option. We'll, we'll come back on that later. But uh, there's at least one more chance on Friday. So stick around. Your chance still may come. But let's go to the phones. Uh, Joanne, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God, Joanne. Thanks for being on our show. Thank you. Now, Joanne, I'm excited, same time nervous. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to be nervous about, Joanne. You don't even need to know the answers <laughs> to this question, so uh, I'm sure this is going to go great. Now, have you played before, Joanne? No, sir. It's my first time. Your first time. Well, we need like a first time player uh, sounder, Adrian. Something, something special for first time players, I would say. Uh, but you've you've listened, right? You you get the sense of how the game is played. Yes. Praise be to God. Now, where do you go to church, Joanne? Um, St. Francis Cabrini and oh. um, Espada Mission. Hey, that's awesome. Praise be to God. Um, all right, so you know Adrian and Emily, they can be tricky. You just got to listen very carefully, but I'm sure it'll all work out re- well. Are you ready to play, Joanne? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? It's going to be fine. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. Okay, let's start with Emily. Emily, as is our custom, we will go to you first. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Emily, can you tell me, what was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire? And church, by the way. Eastern Roman Empire? Yeah, what was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire as well as the church? So I believe this was called Constantinople. Uh, Now it's called Byzantium or the other way around. So your answer is Constantinople or Byzantium? Yeah, I think, yeah. Same same place. Okay. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me, what was the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire and church? Hmm. That's a great question. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with Antioch. 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 Are you sure? Uh, That's what I'm going with. Okay. (laughs) Okay, okay. So Adrian is on the hook for Antioch, and Emily is on the hook for Constantinople or Byzantium. 
15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joanne, what say you? Um, I'm going to go with Emily. Survey says... Whoa, that was a hard one. Wow. Well done, Joanne. But you, you probably, uh, that was fairly easy, wouldn't you say, Joanne? I think it was the Holy Spirit who died. <laughs> <laughs> good answer. That's a good answer. Uh, I was going to say I was going to say uh, Istanbul, but I, I thought right. I felt that would have been bad. Well, you could have said Istanbul because then it would have been all right answers. Technically exactly. speaking, <laughs> exactly. That's why I didn't say it. <laughs> because uh, Constantine created Constantinople, which later became Byzantium, which later became Istanbul. So, any one of those answers would have technically been correct, I suppose. Uh, but uh, Joanne nailed that one, so praise be to God. It's time to move on to more easier questions, I would argue. Let's just see how this goes. Adrian, let's go with you this time. Adrian, can you tell me? What saint originated the custom of erecting the nativity scene? Uh, let me think about that. That would be, okay, hmm. I'm going to go... With St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. Okay. St. Francis of Assisi. Yes. Sounds reasonable. Let's just see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me which saint uh, originated the custom of erecting the nativity scene? Oh, this is a... I have no clue. If I had to guess, I'd go with St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas? He was a bishop. Maybe he did this, I don't know, in his spare time. Like the, the... Bishop Nicholas from from Myra? Yeah, they had nativity scenes in Myra, didn't they? Did they? Okay, okay. Let's just, uh, we'll see here. So Emily is on the hook for uh, St. Nicholas of Myra, uh, the guy who smacked Arius at Constantinople, or rather the Nicene Council. And uh, Adrian is on the hook for St. Francis of Assisi. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joanne, what say you? I'm going to go with Adrian. Survey says. Wow. There we go. She now, was nervous for what? I know. Uh, remind me one more time why you were nervous, Joanne. You're nailing <laughs> these questions. So you, and it's like you have very good confidence in the answer. Uh, are, are you like uh, Are you like trying to fool us? Are we got money on this? I'm just curious. Are you trying to? What's going on here, Joanne? <laughs> Nothing. I, I just prayed before I got on the show. There we oh. go. There we go. I actually did a whole podcast on the history of the Station of the Cross. It's very fascinating. Did you? Mm-hmm. Can oh, we share cool. that? Can we share that on our email list? Absolutely. Hey, now we got a new source to send out uh, tomorrow. Praise be to God. Uh, all right. So yeah, Saint Francis of Assisi, in fact, gave us the nativity scene. That's kind of a cool custom. Good answer, Joanne. You nailed that. Let's see now. Okay. In all honesty, truth in advertising. This next question could be tricky. It's possible. It is possible. We'll go back to Emily this time. Emily, you ready? Yes. All right. Emily, can you tell me? Can you name two movable feast days of the church calendar? There's there's, there's several to choose from, but can you give me at least two feast days that are movable on the church calendar? I'm going to go with my two favorite feast days, Corpus Christi and Christ the King. Okay. Okay. Praise be to God. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian... Can you tell me, uh, can you at least name two of the several possible movable feast days on the church calendar? Hmm. You know, I think I'm going to go with the Nativity of Our Lord and the Nativity of John the Baptist. 
the nativity of our Lord and the nativity of John the Baptist. Yes. Hmm. Okay. Adrian is on the hook for the nativity of our Lord and John the Baptist. And Emily is on the hook for Corpus Christi and Christ the King. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? Joanne, what say you? I'm going with Emily. Survey says. You did it. Got it. Three for three. Three, four, three. Whoa. Wow. In fact, they are Easter, Ascension, Thursday, Pentecost, Trinity Sunday, Corpus Christi, Sacred Heart, and Christ the King. You did well, Joanne. You did three for three. And they weren't the easiest ones. So uh, I'm very proud of you, Joanne, for nailing that. Praise be to God. Uh, Congratulations to you. You are in the coffee cup of divine providence for three chances. And if it be God's will, you'll have to tune in on Friday to see if he will, uh, if your name will come out of the cup. How do you feel about that? Um, I'm excited. Praise be to I'm God. Happy. <laughs> well, Joanne, thank you for listening and being a part of Catholic Drive Time. We're very grateful to you. God love you and God bless you. I'm going to put you on hold uh, so that Adrian can get your phone number just in case. But have a great day and thanks again for calling. Thank you. Y'all have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. Praise be to God. All right, that is going to do it for Catholic Drive Time in the radio side of our program. I, uh, uh, an after show on the, on the live video feed will be coming up next uh, on YouTube, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all those places. Adrian, have you committed to pre-recording a show tomorrow? I have. Okay, so in fact, we will not be here live tomorrow. We, we, we will be playing a best of program for you tomorrow because it is a, uh, a holy day of obligation. So we will be at Holy Mass tomorrow. But we'll, we will be back live on Friday at 6 a.m. Central. So please tune in for that. We'd like to see you there. But if you can hang out with us in the after show, please jump on a live video feed on YouTube, on Facebook, or on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Praise be to God. Friday, uh, when we are live next, will be Emily's last day. So we'll have to say all of our farewells and goodbyes on Friday. So tune in for that as well. Again, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. If we don't see you in the after show, we'll see you Friday morning. But tomorrow is the best of, so don't miss that either. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time in the After Show, where we conversate a little bit more uh, casual, let's just say, as I'm trying to think and talk at the same time here, uh, about whatever's on your mind, whatever whatever you want to talk about. You get to drive the conversation, praise be to God. And um, you can just comment and let us know what's on your mind, and we will be talking to you about that as I bump everything and move all my cameras Ugh, it's always something, isn't it? Um, praise be to God. But a wonderful uh, comments coming in today. Very grateful to you. Uh, let's see here. We've got some first-time commenters, too, today. So I think Tom Smith, if I'm not mistaken, Tom, 
you are a new time, a new uh, first time commenter. So if you are a first time commenter, please do let us know or comment for the first time, because we like to in the after show we like to uh, lavish a little bit extra love on first time commenters. We're very grateful for first time commenters. So please just let us know if you've never commented before, if or if we miss you somehow. We'd like to uh, make sure we get you pointed out. So praise God for that. But Tom Smith, if I'm not mistaken, is Tom Smith the first time commenter? I'm like. I'm like 99% sure. 99. Well, maybe like, okay, maybe like 97. 98 percent. I round up. 96? 96? 97? I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Praise be to God, Tom. Thank you for your commenting for the first time. We're very grateful to you. Uh, very grateful to you. Praise God. That's on YouTube side, by the way. Uh, great comments come, that came through between Josh and Mike and others about, um, about the whole cattle ranch thing. Valerie, good morning to you. Andy Amber Carey. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Of course, Josh and Mike, good morning. Um, let's see here. Eric Rodriguez, good morning to you. Praise be to God. There was uh, somebody on, I, I don't know how to say their name, though, and uh, they were from someplace in uh, Eastern Europe. I'm not sure what their name was or how to say it, but good morning to you. Pocahontas, good morning to you. Angelo, good morning. Monica, good morning to you. Maria Teresa, good morning to you. 93 is back. 93. Praise be to God. Good to see you again. Uh, who else? He said he's literally 93. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that 93? Oh, the, yeah. Changed his name. You changed your... I'm not smart enough to begin with. Well, he, he told us at the beginning, uh, way earlier, he said uh, that he gave us... He said um, when he first commented, hello, I'm SLDTVA, which I just remembered was... 93. Yeah. It's, and, uh, it's too early in the morning yeah. to be connecting all these dots. I'm sorry. And Jeff My bad. said, My bad. Uh, or Sienna rather said, I mailed Emily another letter. Please don't leave. I'm really going to miss Emily. <laughs> Ouch. Well, Ouch. you can always mail her in Chicago. I mean, that's an option. And I'm sure she'll be posting on her YouTube channel. You can always follow her there, too. Yes. I'll link, I'll link her YouTube channel again so y'all can follow her on YouTube. I'm sure she'll... Be. Emily, are you planning on keeping up to date with your YouTube channel? Yes. Um, I'm going to get resettled in Chicago first, but once I figure some things out, I'm going to buy some equipment. Adrian recommended some <clears throat> stuff for me. And then, yeah, I'm going to keep keep going with that. Praise be to God. Uh, Paul Stasel, good morning to you. Lori Powell, good morning to you. Susan Weber, good morning to you. You had some great comments there, Susan, on the uh, the beef and the cattle and all of that. Um, we'll be maybe reading a few of those. Uh, Ellen Holmes, Steve's LeBlanc. Has to be a brand new commenter. Where? Uh, on on uh, over on um, on Facebook, and sh she shared the video today too. Oh yes, I'm like God love you. I'm Ellen. almost Thank certain that. that that's a new commenter as well. I agree yeah. with you. Well, she so, she deserves it. Then that means she gets. Jesus is a friend. No, so, whoops. no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's hard to get good help it's, these days. I know it's really I hard. Mean, it was uh, difficult. I'm sorry, Ellen. You deserved better. You did. Uh, but God love you, Ellen. Thank you for commenting for the first time. I think there's another new commenter. Is S. Giselle? Is huh. that a new commenter? I, I think know. it is. Is it also on Facebook? It is also on Facebook, on the GRN online part. Okay. Like, yeah, that looks new. I don't think I've ever seen that I before. I think so, too. S. Giselle, God love you. There we go. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for commenting. Commenting for the first time. Amen. Praise be to God. Hey, Sue said, 
that we should do a game show marathon tomorrow. <laughs> all you know? game shows? All of the edited game shows put together? Oh, my goodness. That, that would, would be... drive everyone nuts. <laughs> that would be so funny, actually. Yeah, that and maybe not. Maybe. Oh, no. I, I cringe at thinking about it, actually. Luz, good morning to you. Don, it's good to see you. Joaquin, good to see you. Gloria, Dion, Lopez. Good morning to you. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out. Josh Knoll, it's good to see you, of course. Very grateful to you for hanging out with us today. Uh, Christopher Chance was here as well. Uh, praise be to God. Where are you from, S. Giselle? We'd like to know. Also, yeah, let us know. Where are you from? If everybody could comment their, at least like either the state or or their country or something, you know, so you could put city if Is you want Alejandro to. a new commenter on YouTube side? Alejandro Fernandez. Fernandez. Possibly. I think I think he might be. I'm Alejandra, not certain. It's Alejandra, by the oh, way. Oh, you're right. There's oh. an A. I yeah. read an O. Alejandra. Pardon us. God bless you. Thanks for hanging out with us. First time commenter. I think that I think that's a new commenter. I think so too. Amen. It's a lot yes. of hallelujahs today. Hallelujah. Praise be to God. Alejandra, thank you for your generous commenting for the first time on our program. We're very grateful to you for that. Uh, of course, Betty is here. Good morning from vacation. Where are, you, where are you on vacation, Betty? I'd like to know. Had to tune in for Fear and Trembling also to say goodbye to Emily. We'll miss you. Yep. Thanks, Betty. We have Mary Pat on the GRN Facebook. Hey, now. Uh, how do you pronounce that? Mary Pat. Near San Antonio. Born, born? born Texas? Maybe? Bernie. Bernie. Oh, that's an E-R. Bernie. Okay. Bernie. Why? <laughs> There are a few towns in Texas that are hard to pronounce. And Pretty much Bernie, everything in Texas Bernie, is hard to pronounce. Bernie, we tend to get wrong. La Misa is also another one that we tend we, to We pronounce everything in Texas incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> near San Antonio. I grew up near San Antonio as well. Mary Pat Reed, thank you for hanging out with us today uh, from Bernie. Near DFW, S. Giselle, thank you. Uh, is for, Mary Pat a first-time commenter? I believe I, I so. I believe so. Good morning. God. Thank you, Mary Pat. Buddies from Houston, H Town, hold it down. H Town, hold All right. it down. <laughs> where where are our uh, Chicago listeners at? Um, I don't think we air in Chicago. Haslett, <laughs> but we're online. Haslett uh, from the Haslett area. Oh, Benny. Melanie is from Pensacola, Florida. Pensacola, love that. Bernie got another Bernie there. Um, I think she's just telling us how, what it's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Let's All see. right, shout out to Skinny Atlas, and <laughs> shout out to Betty in a cabin in upstate New York. That sounds what? so peaceful. Yes, that does, actually. How do you say it, though? You say, What did you say? Skinny Atlas. Is that how you said it? Andy Amber, uh, above that comment, said it's pronounced Skinny Atlas. Now, I, uh, I spent a summer up in, near Watertown, New York, uh, way up there, right before I went to the Marine Corps. A beautiful, beautiful part of our country, actually. Heavily wooded, uh, gorgeous rivers. Just, it's amazing. Okay, I have a few comments that I need to read from uh, Jeff's family. Uh, one from Dominic. You're the best host in the whole entire world, referring to, uh, I think, Emily. I think it's referring to Emily. Maybe it's to uh, Joe. Not sure. <laughs> Not, uh, uh, this is the hardcore Emily she, fan club we're talking then, about. <laughs> <laughs> then Genevieve said, I'm really going to miss Emily on the game show. And then the most important comment is from Jonah. He said, I am Adrian's number one fan, Jonah. What? what Thank you, you what, Jonah. Thank how, you. There's did, finally what? somebody that's how did, not Jesus. How, how did that become the most important comment? I'm, what? <laughs> it was. It's easily the most important what? comment of the day. What? I think. What? Well, Bruce is from Pflugerville, Texas. Praise be to God for that. Uh, I saw a buffalo here. 
uh, Buffalo, New York. I've been to Buffalo on a number of occasions. I spoke at the Buffalo Men's Conference a few years ago. Awesome, awesome. Praise be to God. Uh, there was another one, too. Where was the other one? Hmm. Uh, <laughs> Eric said, Jesus is a friend of mine. Song and video CDT marathon recommended. Wow. Music. Fire music, he said. That is like a rickroll that could get someone in jail. Okay. That's, we've, there are social responsibilities we cannot ignore. That's awesome. Okay. Praise be to God. That's so great. Uh, there was, I'm missing another, there was like somebody posted like where they were from and I miss, I somehow, was it Fluger? Did you already say Fl- I said Flugerville okay. from Bruce. Yeah. Good morning uh, to you, Bruce, by the way. You said Buffalo, New York. Yeah, you uh, did. I'm missing something. Uh, I don't know. I, if I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to miss anybody. The, oh, I had a question come in via email. Someone emailed me. Uh, I'll read the question. It's a good question, and hopefully they're still listening. I'll, rep- I'll reply to them via email if they're not listening. Oh, Newport News, Virginia, from Mike K. Good morning Newport to you, Mike. News, New- I don't. Where's that from? Vir- Virginia. Virginia. That man, my geography is like all out of whack. <laughs> I'm trying to think of where Virginia is. <laughs> he says no Catholic rickroll. <laughs> no Catholic rickroll. Uh, that would be that'd be horror. Horrifying when I see you know, I think Novus Ordo. No Catholic, no Catholic record. All right, you were okay, saying so you had a cut. The, uh, someone had sent me an email, so I'll respond to them with the same answer I'm going to give now, just in case they were listening on radio, which I imagine they're listening via radio since they emailed me instead of commenting. Uh, but it's a great comment. It said, good morning. I was wondering why on your show everyone says Holy Ghost instead of Holy Spirit. I thought that other Christian denominations and religions use the phrase Holy Ghost, and it carries with it a different understanding belief of God as a non-triune God. For example, in the Church of LDS, uh, that's uh, Latter-day Saints. Uh, thank you for any info you can give me. Sincerely, Amy. So thank you, Amy, for commenting. It was a great comment. Um, and no, actually, the, the term Holy Ghost uh, is a... It's a old tradition in English. Uh, the Anglicans and the Catholics in England would use the term Holy Ghost pretty commonly uh, because the, it comes from the word Geist. Like in German, you get the Geist, and you would say, uh, and that's the, the translation of the word spirit. And so in Latin, it says spiritu tuum, or uh, sancti spiritu, which is the more uh, one-to-one translation is Holy Spirit. So that's, that is correct. Uh, but... The reason why I personally use Holy Ghost is because the term ghost kind of has the connotation of a person. Because when you think of a ghost, you think we, we kind of think of it like a haunting. So it's, we think of it as scary, but we also think of it as a person. So someone is haunting you. Um, but now, of course, the Holy Ghost isn't haunting. So that's a bad connotation that we don't want. But the connotation that we do want is the idea that the Holy Ghost is a person. Whereas the word spirit in English, and at least in American English, has more of a connotation like the spirit of your team. You have uh, the spirit of, um, of like, uh, so like, for instance, we'd have school spirit at school. You would have uh, the, the spirit of, your, uh, of the council. Like I'm thinking of the Vatican II. You think of the spirit of the council. And so it's more of an ethereal thing that's not actually a person that has a, a will and moves. It's more of an idea and a concept, a power. Um, and we want to get away from the idea that the Holy Spirit is a power, is like the power of God. Instead, we want to make sure that it's necessary that we understand that he is a person, uh, the, the third person of the Trinity. So uh, that's why I use Holy Ghost. I think it's and uh, and it also just sounds better coming off the tongue. It just feels it, it makes you think. So whenever you hear Holy Spirit, because we use it so often, uh, we kind of just like 
okay, it's just kind of like noise in the back. But if you hear Holy Ghost, that kind of like, oh, wait, that's, that's something different. Same thing, like the book of Revelation uh, is also referred to as the book of the apocalypse. And so that's the same book. And so you, but you can use apocalypse or you can re- use revelation. One's not wrong. One's not right. It's just different emphasis. And so I like to use apocalypse because it's the more traditional usage of the, um, of the title. And it also invokes something that's different. So when you hear revelation, uh, you are like, Oh yeah, the book of revelation. But when you hear book of the apocalypse, you're like, Oh, well, that's, that's something different. That's something new. And it makes us actually think about it more. So that's why I use Holy Ghost. Yeah, amen. Uh, same thing for me. It uh, the zeitgeist, right? Where we get that word "spirit" from. Uh, the zeitgeist, the spirit of our age. Well, that's not necessarily a good thing. I like to make that distinction for myself: uh, the Holy Ghost versus the Holy Spirit. Uh, not that one is wrong, necessarily speaking, but uh, just I, I think I take the same tack as you, Adrian. I personally prefer the uh, the more personalized uh, version of it, anyway. Um, and one's not wrong, one one's not right. So I'm not telling you you should all switch to Holy Ghost or yeah. uh, Holy Spirit is bad or yeah, it, they're both correct. It's just which one do you want to use and which one has the emphasis that you want. So yeah. uh, it's it's pu- it's purely discretionary. Amen. Uh, Mary Pat Reed says, "Love that explanation. Thank you. A beautiful expression of the mystery of the Trinity." Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Awesome. Um, what else? I like to see. Uh, I like to see all these comments kind of come through and from everybody from all over. I just love that. That's so awesome. Um, what did you guys think about the conversation? There's some good comments that came through during our conversation about with Jim Mundorf from Lonesome Lands about cattle ranching and, and the rest. I thought that was fascinating. I was especially fascinated to see those comments come through because I'm I've had conversations in the past similarly related and people are like, I don't know, you know, but uh I, th- I think most people just don't think about how their food is prepared or what's at stake. But also it's the sort of the corporate takeover of how our food is prepared. I think should be troubling to most people. Melanie says, if people want to read about the saints, Louis D. Wall is a good fiction writer who brings the saints to life in a more personal way and is easy to read, not so heavy. I knew the trivia answers due to reading his books, just FYI. Wow. That's super cool. The Wall. I think I've read a couple of his books, maybe. I might be thinking of someone else, though. The last name sounds very familiar. And I'm looking up the, the, the author, and I'm not seeing the books that I'm thinking of. So I'm going to have to look into and see, figure out who I'm, who I'm thinking of. Because I don't think I'm thinking of the same person. Mm. Uh, oh, real quick, before we uh, talk about beef, which I'm beef. all for uh, <laughs> talking about beef. The uh, the question of movable feasts, that was uh, something that uh, Joe brought up to me yesterday, and he stopped me on it yesterday. He was like, what, uh, what are uh, two movable feasts? And he was like listing them. I was like, what? Easter is a, is a movable feast? What do you mean? And yeah, I was thinking of... I didn't know that. Right. So I was thinking of transferable feast. And so a transferable feast is a feast day that can be moved to the nearest Sunday uh, at least in the new calendar. I don't know if that's a option in the old calendar. But a movable feast is simply a feast that changes its day every year um, because of – so, like, for instance, Christmas is always on December 25th. Uh, it's always going to be that day. Whereas Easter is based off of the where the moon is and based off of uh, different times of the year. 
And so it's going to move every year. And so the, the movable feasts are the ones that are not based, they are not a set day every single year. So wow. there you go. You know, Mike brings up a good point. He says, living in Virginia, land of the gas lines currently, it is easy to realize how short our supply lines really are. Three days of food in grocery stores, et cetera, buy local. You know, um, here in the Houston area anyway, I'm sure there are similarities to all parts, but <clears throat> here in the Houston area, we get, we get these lovely things called hurricanes. And uh, I know Virginia has experienced some of them as well, being towards the East Coast over there. But um, when hurricanes hit, it really affects supply lines quite a bit. So we will see uh, food shortages. We'll see gas shortages. We'll see all kinds of things. Of course, there's the damage result. The last big hurricane we had, it flooded all of Houston. And there were literally you know, hundreds of thousands of people that were put out of their homes. Their homes were completely flooded. Um, it, was, it was pretty crazy. But just this last winter, we had that massive freeze in Texas, and we had, again, gas shortages. So gas stations were out of fuel because trucks couldn't get there. Um, we had food shortages. We had all kinds of things. It, it comes up pretty frequently, more and more so now than in, in the past. And this is part of the reason why my family and I have, you know, to have, we've had to embrace somewhat of the prepper life. And just have – we have kids. We have to make sure we're, we're able to care for their needs and, and whatever. So there's a lot of thought that it has to go into how do you prepare for natural disasters, let alone when foreign entities decide to hack your pipeline and cause you to shut it down. Now we're seeing the actual effects of, of foreign involvement. And there are many people, talking heads, who would suggest that we are in the Third World War already. It's just a war of ones and zeros not a war of tanks, planes, trucks, and the rest. So it's very interesting. It's, I think it's a good, another a reason to consider buying as much local as you can. So going to local farmers, going to farming mar- farmer markets and buying your, your, your vegetables, or, for instance, or getting your cattle. Go in with families. Uh, we, we split a cow between, I think, three families. We split the cow up. We bought it from a local rancher. We actually took the whole family to the ranch we met with the family we walked their property we looked at their cows you know we we had a great conversation uh and it was it was wonderful it's also a way to support the local uh you know meat packer so what jim was saying was there's a one of the reasons that came up last year during the shortage due to covid so what happened was this to summarize very quickly all the the, the meat packers who take the cattle, slaughter them, and turn them into things that get put on foam trays that ship to grocery stores. Well, they they got reduced down to like four. And most of that is foreign-owned, as he said. Then they were shipping in cattle from overseas. That's another problem. He didn't even bring that part up. Um, they began in 2014 to shut down meatpacking plants around the country. He said there were 12 that were shut down starting in 2014 all the way to 2020 which limited the ability to produce meat, which, which uh, artificially inflated their profits and lowered the income for these cattle ranchers and putting the burden on us as consumers. Then COVID hits and they shut their plants down because of COVID. And remember, President Trump at the time forced them to open back up. It was that, that caused a crisis in, in the food supply chain and part of the problem at the grocery stores. So that really propelled our desire to, 
you know, buy local. I also hunt and put deer meat in the freezer. We love deer meat. We butcher it ourselves. It's fantastic. We love it. So there's a lot of things that are at stake here in the conversation. But most people just don't understand where where the food comes from and and all of that. So we've had to uh, we have a, a bit of a, a food supply that we've built up. We we have supplies for when the freeze came. We were able to you know when we lost power, we were able to keep the power uh, going to to provide for our family. Um, those kinds of things. It, and we certainly had to do it over many years because you know we don't really have the income to just go out and do it. So we've had to build it up slowly and take our opportunities as they come. Let's see. I know Mike says he's doing it too. He says uh, he was the CG 20 years ago. Uh, he was in the CG Coast Guard. I'm guessing that means Coast Guard, Mike. You can correct me. 20 years ago. or for You were in 20 years. Oh, praise God. Thanks for your service, Mike. I have seen the aftermath of hurricanes. Not pretty. Yeah, they're not. Um, Evelyn Waugh. That's Evelyn who I was thinking Waugh of. Evelyn is the... Not he, DeWall. Evelyn Waugh is the That's bomb. what I was thinking of. Sorry. A, Edmund Campion, A Life by Evelyn Waugh, is a page turner. You got to read it. It's so amazing. Brideshead Revisited might be my favorite work of literature ever. Really? It's phenomenal. Wow. I never read it. Chicago. What, Besides, what, what natural disasters do you have in Chicago? Um, and violence? The, the snow. Natural. I said natural. Snowmageddon. Snowmageddon? Yeah. You get snowmageddon in there? Yeah, tornadoes also. It's you the, it's in the Chicago? Midwest. We get tornado warnings all the time, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the violence is very heavy in Chicago. We all know that, but mm-hmm. uh, I didn't realize tornadoes were a thing there. Ah, uh, let's see. Prepper equals person with common sense. Yeah, preach it, brother. Uh, Josh Patterson says, our supply chains are super fragile. Honestly, throughout all the Trump administration, I stopped prepping because times were good. I don't know. There were there were a few cases there. Back to business as usual with Biden. Eric says, plus Bill Gates buying up all the land. Super sketch. Yeah. I don't trust Bill Gates. Uh, the fact yeah. that he's buying the land is super sketch. Well, that you know, corporate farming is taking over. Making things more efficient all the time, you know, then, of course, hormones and, and other things being injected into your food supply. Why do you think there are so many autoimmune diseases in our country? You know, it's because our food supply has been, has been messed with bad and our bodies aren't reacting well. I mean, last week I suffered mightily. Uh, I'm still recovering from a situation that I had last week. Part of it's because of the food. I mean, most of it's because of the food. So... These are big issues that we have to be paying attention to, and then just just knowing how your food is is. Um, does your family can food as well? Um, we're not. We haven't got into the canning yet. We we are, we do have a supply, but we haven't started the canning process yet. My I remember my grandparents would can on their farm, and we had like a there was like a, a like a they had one of the buildings on their property on their farm was like a storage shed. And underneath that storage shed was a canning cellar, and they would stuff that thing <laughs> with food. Like I, I'm like I remember as a kid looking at it, going, "Who's going to eat all this? Like, <laughs> like what are you doing with all this food? It's crazy." But there was a lot of food there. Chris said, uh, "Democrats are a natural disaster in Chicago." <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! I agree with you, Adrian. I don't trust Bill Gates either. Yep, yep. That was from Luz. Uh, Melanie. Said, uh, what author, Adrian? Evelyn Waugh. I would recommend taking a look at any of the books before giving it to children. Uh, they're more mature. They're very good. And they're very Catholic. But <laughs> they are made for a, a more mature audience. 
And uh, she also asked, what Holy Day of Obligation is tomorrow? That's the Ascension. Uh, the vast majority of dioceses have transferred the feast to Sunday. Um, but I still recommend going if you can uh, go to Mass tomorrow. But the uh, you will fulfill the obligation by going to Mass on Sunday. Of course, most dioceses are still like not requiring to go to Mass at all anymore. But uh, so, you know, there's that. But I highly recommend going to Mass tomorrow. Holy Day of Obligation, technically transferable to the nearest Sunday, um, according to most most dioceses. Susan Weber says, uh, as far as natural disasters go in New York, where she's from, just they just have snow and Governor Cuomo. That's all. <laughs> I like the jokes. They're funny. Buddy Kane mentioned uh, China that controls a big portion of ag in America. And that's not all, Buddy. Uh, in Texas, of all places, uh China, a China, um, a CCP linked China businessman owns over a hundred thousand acres of of Texas uh, land that he built a wind farm on and obtained permission not only from the governor of Texas but also from the the federal government under President Trump, mind you, to be able to uh, run this wind farm, which means he has a direct connection to our electric grid. And it has been proven that they can hack the electric grid through that connection. But still, somehow, some way, our governments have given this person permission to do this and give them access. Now, maybe they're thinking, but we can control that. We can stop any attacks. Tell me about the oil pipeline one more time and your control over this. You know, I, I don't know. I think, I think, uh, you know, foreign uh, involvement in our country is a very real thing, whether it's uh, election or oil pipelines or wind farms. It is a very concerning thing. As, and as Texas just went through this last winter, um, a shutdown of electric grid in Texas could be very deadly. Um, and people just aren't prepared for that. So it's very concerning. China, and there was a story out on, um, what do you call it, Epic Times. Xi Jinping, has, he's saying it publicly. He thinks now is the time for China to dominate the world. This is a public statement he's making through an article over at the Epic Times. You know, they think the time is ripe. This can, there's enough chaos and confusion in the world. They have their fingers in every part of the planet. They own most of the mineral uh, rights that uh, create things like circuit boards or solar panels or other things. They are invading fisheries all over the planet, and uh, they are posturing themselves in a very aggressive ways. This is why one of the reasons we talk about China a lot is just keep raising awareness for what's going on. And the opportunity to pray fast and do penance is always in front of us. So China is a very concerning threat. For the rest, or for the rest of us, uh, and the Beth said earlier. Let me see if I can go back and find the comment. Uh, Thanks, Adrian. I always thought of Holy Ghost as how little kids say it, and Holy Spirit as the way adults do. Great new thoughts. Thank you very much, Beth. Um, let's see. Beth also said, Adrian John Edwards Bon Bayon Bayon did Saint Bios in fictional formats. I've actually never read. I don't think I'm familiar with John Edward however you say his last name. So that's that's something to look into. I'm always a little bit um, hesitant about fictional accounts of saints because I don't want to conflate uh, the fictional stories of saints with the uh, hagiography of saints. So uh, I don't want to accidentally be like, oh, did you know that so-and-so, did what this saint did X, Y, or Z? And then it turns out that he didn't actually do that. It was part of a fiction story. 
Um, but it's great. It's uh, it's good stuff in general for kids and stuff. But I'm I'm personally the little little hesitant about reading fictional accounts of saints. I um I've seen a conversation going on between Mike and Josh about canning uh, or on the on YouTube. Uh, didn't see that coming today. Um, praise be to God. What about dehydration? That's the area I'm thinking about getting into is dehydrating food. It stores easier, longer. What do you guys think? Uh, have you guys tried dehydrating your food rather than just straight up canning? Uh, Eric, for some reason, wants the Twilight Zone soundbite. Hmm. <laughs> he misses the Twilight Zone already. <laughs> there we go. We, st- we never did get the tinfoil hats we wanted for the show. We were going to make tinfoil hats and wear them during certain sections of the program. Just to make it look more appropriate for our conversations. Uh, let's see. Lori, they make a lot of our medical prescriptions, that, meaning China, of course, is also very concerning. Yes. Yes, it is. And think about how the pharmaceutical companies have got a tight grip through their lobby in America. They get to dictate prices. They get to dictate customers through uh, all kinds of ways, through your doctor's office. And everybody just goes lockstep with the game plan. Well, these are issues. It's not tinfoil hat conspiracy. It's an issue. And at any rate, that's going to have to do it for today's program. All right, so Adrian's producing a best of show for tomorrow. Will it be all game show? I don't know. You'll have to tune in to find out. Tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. But we'll be back live on Friday. God love you. God bless you. Go to Holy Mass tomorrow. Even if your diocese says uh, you don't have to, why don't you do it anyway? That'd be a good thing to do. We'll see you on Friday morning. Emily's last day. Pray for her. Pray for us. God bless you. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining.